0: Your business is built on bold ideas. Bring them to life faster, push them farther, and scale them worldwide without skipping a beat using Microsoft Azure. Stay productive with familiar tools, develop and deploy where you want with a consistent hybrid environment and build engaging apps with intelligent features. Join the startups, governments, and 90% of Fortune 500 businesses running on Microsoft Cloud by starting your free account at azure.com trial. That's azur dot slash trial. My guest today is Chelsea Stark and I brought her here to talk about Spider-Man on PS4. This is Dave Tack and you are listening to Polygon's quality control Chelsea, welcome to quality control.
1: Thanks for having me, Dave.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for being here. I um I think we both played a lot of Spider-Man recently.
1: We played a lot of Spider-Man. You know, I've even actually gone back and, and pretty much 100%ed the uh, game too, so.
0: It is that kind of game. It kind of kind of pulls you back in there, kind of makes you want to play more.
1: It does. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I get it. Amazing. Oh. Spider-Man. Zing. So yeah, I, it's, it's uh, I think, fair to say a very highly anticipated game. And uh, you did our review. I think, broadly speaking, it delivered on a lot of good things. It doesn't necessarily make it uh, well, I was gonna say perfect, but what game is perfect? But it's a it's a it's an awful lot of fun, I think, is where I would start.
1: Yeah, I think that Spider Man is just an amazing amount of fun. You know, it's kind of a you know, I I called it a roller coaster in my review, and I feel like it's just a game that it's like grabs your hand and it's like, let's get a Let's go. You're on this trip with me. Totally. You are going to take me through the cinematic highs and lows of Spider Man's life.
0: Yeah. And it is not a game, I think I I found out pretty quickly that is like particularly interested in changing your conception of what a game like this can be. Like, I think I told you when we were talking about it before you wrote the review, like, it, it does a lot of stuff you've seen in other games. But to its credit, like, it stands toe-to-toe with a lot of that, right? It's an open-world game. It has most of the kind of stuff you would expect in open-world games that have, you know, like like that genre mm-hmm. has come to be in the last uh, 10 or more years. And Spider-Man just does a lot of that, uh, mo- mostly not annoyingly.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, like, with only maybe a couple exceptions, everything feels like, okay, on the track of open world games, but they've per- they've smoothed out most of the rough edges, I feel like, you know, you're not, yeah. you're never really in a like discomfort, and even if parts where I'm like, this is a little old feeling, mostly the control towers, the radio towers, Yeah, that was the one thing where I'm like, this is, feels dated, but it's so quick that it, it's over, that I'm not like, oh, this ruined the whole experience by far.
0: <laughs> right, and the other side of that for me, like those control towers, which are like, oh, you know, climbing towers in Assassin's Creed, and then you, reveal more of your map that sort of thing like it absolutely I think does feel old again a thing you've seen in other games on the other hand there's so much to do in Spider-Man that I don't know if this was the intent but the benefit that I felt that I got out of that was well at least my map isn't cluttered with a billion things right from the start so like I could go to this area of the map reveal the Upper West Side dive in to do the things I want to do there and then move on you know like so it kind of worked out
1: yeah, it did a good job of, like, adding new layers gradually. Like, you don't even unlock the game's challenge missions until, I'd say, like, a good third. Yeah. So I think it never feels overwhelming. It never feels like my map was extremely cluttered.
0: Yeah, and I felt like that all that open-world stuff, you know, there's there are these kinds of things to do, and there are a dozen of these things to do around the city. And in a lot of open-world games they feel fetchy or boring or whatever and to my honestly great surprise i didn't feel that way in spider-man i felt like oh here's another thing to do let me go do that thing Mm -hmm. right even though even if it wasn't always terribly exciting to do those things i felt it didn't feel like a burden to do it and uh i think one of the smartest things they did is that they tied all of those directly to tokens and those tokens get you things, right? The point of doing this thing is to get a token, and the point of getting a token is to essentially upgrade you. So there's like there is a very direct line between your effort and your reward.
1: Yeah, and even the things that feel like the most direct fetch quest, where you're literally finding Spider-Man's backpacks all over the city, and those are like, there's 55 of them in all. Those, because they kind of reward you with like neat little bits of lore, and like, they've, they felt really fun, and it was like, oh, I can just get this on my way to here. It was very simple.
0: And I love those little, I mean, what do you call it, flavor text or whatever? But it's like, you know, there's the voiceover, and there's a tiny little story it tells. And I thought they were, I can't think of a single one that wasn't entertaining.
1: Yeah, I mean, they'd be stuff about Peter Parker's life or stuff about Spider-Man's life, and you're like, oh, man, this is all, like, really good flavor.
0: That's kind of Spider-Man in a nutshell to me, is that it is the kind of game that, Like, it is the most triple A of triple A games. It looks beautiful. It runs beautifully. It kept sort of surprising me at all of the little tricks and graphical flourishes that it did. It's the kind of thing that can only exist when... I mean, watch the credit scene, which I'll bet you rolls on for 25 minutes. Like, it can only exist when thousands of people come together over years to make.
1: I I mean, I I completely agree. And it feels like all of these small pieces do add up to something They're really big. And it's also a game that I feel like is so accessible that it'd be an easy game for me to recommend to people who want to play with kids uh, or, you know, don't play a lot of video games anymore. Because it feels yeah. like it's it's very welcoming to whoever is playing it.
0: I imagine that's also going to be something that rubs people the wrong way say your mileage may vary thing but uh, yeah. the boss fights are a good example of that right
1: hundred percent I think like the boss fights are so cinematic and great looking you mm-hmm. and you feel really cool except you kind of don't because a lot of the bosses are beaten the same way you are pulling them in or you're using your webs to kind of disable them you pull them closer and then you like, just beat them a bunch. Like, you literally punch, and punch them. And then that cycle continues as they recover and then go back to the thing. And that, I mean, that's how to beat 80% of the game's bosses. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not challenging. they are never, it's not like you feel like you could fail very easily. And I think that's fine. That definitely serves a certain audience. But mm-hmm. I don't know, for someone who, the game I was playing before this was Hollow Knight.
0: Ha. <laughs> Those are not easy bosses.
1: No, they're they're like the opposite of easy. But they're also when you beat them, you feel so good about it. Yeah. You feel like you've climbed a mountain.
0: Yeah, I, I think you nailed it when you describe them as cinematic, because I think it's not as if they aren't challenging. There is some challenge, but there is a simple and repeatable pattern. Mm-hmm. And the idea seems to be if I can reverse engineer myself into, you know, the design documents or whatever for this. It's something like we want them to be fun and not terribly difficult.
1: Exactly. And I think that that is okay. That is 100% what they were going for. And I think they nailed it. And I mean, like, I guess we are also speculating. But if that was what they were going for, they were, they were, they nailed it. But maybe that is like up to personal taste, whether you like that or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing I kept thinking about when, when I was playing this game is you tell me if this makes any sense to you or if you felt anything like this It was basically that i it's almost like i i feel like i'm damning it with faint praise because i know i don't love this game uh, but i come just short of that like there, like there, there are there are very few minutes in this game that i didn't enjoy i was happy to dig deep 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 in to to play everything i could for guides um, and, in, you know, like I said earlier, it does stuff that I've seen before, but it stands toe to toe with its competitors. But something it was like an A, but never an A plus for me. Does that feel yes. right-ish to you?
1: That feels completely right. Where I'd say, like, if I was talking about A games of the year, I would say maybe God of War is my number one of those, you know. And and because that it feels like an A plus is when you do something new. But an A, mm-hmm. an A is still doing things extremely well, and I, but I just don't. I'd say like the fine craftsmanship and detail in this game yeah. is incredible. Yeah. But it's it's not like oh it's a new thing. It's a new d- different thing.
0: Yeah. It's weird. It's like I don't want to dock a game points. I mean, you know, theoretical in my head points for not trying to reinvent the wheel because not every game needs to do that. Although I do, on the other hand want to give bonus points to a game like god of war that does kind of want to reinvent the wheel and this just just this is not that game it has it has lofty ambitions of being like the the kind of almost like horizon zero dawn that came out last year right perhaps unfortunately right before uh breath of the wild which like the the, the thing with that to me was like this is maybe the best example, Horizon Zero Dawn, of like a certain kind of open world game, Mm -hmm. right? And then uh, Breath of the Wild comes along and sort of upends the idea of what an open world game could be. And and so I I think it's tough to sort of contrast those two, but Spider-Man falls into that Horizon Zero Dawn camp. Like I said earlier, it is the kind of open world game you could reasonably expect if you've played open world games in the last 10 or 15 years, but it is just the bar uh, like the minimum bar of quality for this thing is really high.
1: Yeah, I mean I I but I also do think we should kind of look back and say like, well, there weren't there have not been a ton of good superhero games with the exception of maybe the Arkham series because it's, you know, so many superhero games always were kind of they 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 felt like, they had to tie into the canon, or they had yeah. to tie into the movie, and and this is free from that, and that's why it gets to excel, and I think that's what makes it kind of a fantastic game, is because it's, like, not dragged down by any requirements. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Like I, I guess I was just taking it as read that it was a, just a good game, but the truth is, good superhero games are sort of few and far between, or at least historically have been. And the Arkham series of games is a really good example because this game borrowed a lot from that.
1: Yeah. Though, yeah I will, At least some of the things that made me happy, it was better that, than Arkham. Especially, I feel like the moment-to-moment combat when you're doing something like tackling waves of guys on a roof somewhere. Yeah. Arkham did that a lot. But I think Spider-Man's combat in those moments is more fun.
0: Yeah, it, it took me a couple of days to sort of wrap my mind around it. And then we wound up doing like a fighting and combat guide just to explain sort of how to think about combat. Because th- the way it worked for me is I, like this is an example of how the game is um, sort of simple or accessible to, you know, two words that describe essentially the same thing, which is like you have a punch button and it is square and you have a like web button and it is triangle. And the beginning of the game is all about, like, just punch people and web to people. And uh, a couple of days into playing it, um, you know, like, Spider-Man will do these, like, slow cinematic finishers for people. Mm -hmm. And, And I realized a couple of days into playing it that, like, I had been thinking about those as just moments to go, like, wow, this is really cool. But... If I thought about them as moments to plan my next attack or to hold L1 to bring up my, you know, weapon or gear wheel, it was actually just it was slowing down time so that I could get better at fighting. And I think there's that's where the depth in Spider-Man comes in to me is that when you um, like you could get through the whole game just uh, generally just sort of punching or doing very little like slide under enemies with shields or dodging occasionally but the there there is depth there if you want it and that's one of the things I liked is that like I knew within the first three four hours that this game was kind of something special right the the swinging didn't feel just good it felt exactly like what swinging should feel like in my mind things like that the question was whether it could sustain that over however many hours the game is and it's it's not a short game if you want to do all the stuff and th- having those things like the depth, like the like ways to rethink combat and then having challenges that force you to get better at things that you could just button mash your way through actually made the game better for me.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that I didn't... When I started to pay attention to the optional challenges in the the base levels or the crime levels, and those were sometimes like easy to ignore. They're just off on your left side. Yeah, And also sometimes a little weird because a lot of your moves have very similar names. You're like web swing, web, web throw, uh-huh. like obviously like it's, the, it's Spider-Man. But when you're like, oh, go back to your controls menu, uh-huh. remind yourself what that is, then try to do it and execute it. And I was like, oh, I'm getting so much better at combat here because like I've been able to figure out ways to combo and chain en- enemies and that felt really good.
0: Yeah, right. And the game, again, like does not really require you to do that. Unless you decide to do these things like like all of the challenges are fairly difficult and that's just baked into the name, right? They're called challenges. They're not just for going in and punching a bunch of dudes and and leaving and there's these optional objectives in there and all that kind of stuff. But that helped, like I said, sustain my interest in the game. It wasn't like every fight was brilliant. I think there are so many uh, gadgets and suit powers that I never got to a point where I quite felt like I was uh, a master of all of them. Yes. Right, I, I yes. found my favorites. There's there's a sort of a proliferation of stuff in there that like, I you know, I just settle on the things that I like the most and use, find opportunities to use them.
1: There are like 30 soup powers and you can yeah. only use one at a time. So yeah, that's yeah. like, it, it doesn't really favor variety all the time.
0: No. Right. And like, how do you remember like, you, you're going to I think I mean, I don't think that everyone is exactly like me, but I just assume that most people are kind of like me, which is they're not going to go through a rolling list of 30 things in their head and say, what is best for this situation? They're going to find their handful of favorite things and maybe switch them out
1: occasionally. That's pretty much how I played. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. So, like, there's a lot in uh, It's it's weird to sort of complain that they give you so much. Because, because like what's what what harm does it do i guess on the other hand i don't know that most of the things like that will be terribly useful uh to most people
1: yeah i i wrote a note down to myself that like i at the especially at the first half of the game i didn't feel like i needed to use many of the gadgets except yep. one
0: or you'd forget about them cuz the game does not tell you hey you should be doing this like they're there and they remind you that it reminds you that you got them but it's you know, it's, it's optional.
1: Yeah, totally optional. And kind of by design, I guess.
0: Yeah, right. Because, again, you could sort of two-button your way through most of the game if you wanted to. Yeah. But that just makes it sort of, I don't know, you know, like, as we said earlier, easier to play.
1: hmm
0: All right, we're going to get back to Spider-Man in just a sec. But I got a question for you. Are you curious about what makes a city smart? You can find out in this new thing we're doing. It's called an advertiser segment, and it's brought to you by Microsoft Azure.
2: Up next. In a city, everything we do, from swiping a ticket at the subway turnstile to checking into the public Wi-Fi, is a piece of data. In just the last two years, we've produced more data in the world than the rest of the years combined. We're getting into multiple petabytes, even exabytes of data. That's Rohan Kumar. He's vice president of Azure Data at Microsoft. And that's exabytes, as in one megabyte with 12 zeros at the end. It's a lot of data. And with this volume of data comes a lot of potential for intelligence. When we say, how do you make the data intelligent? It's really about getting into a single place where you can run machine learning models which derive artificial intelligence from that data to make it more meaningful. One application is making our city smarter. Ayal Federlevi is the CEO of Zen City, a startup that's trying to make the data-driven city a bit more intelligent by adding people to the mix. ZenCity takes a pulse of what's on the city's mind through social media, and then they analyze that data for insights using Azure services. Posts, comments, 311 calls to the call center. We use machine learning to turn all of that huge mess of unstructured data into actionable, quantifiable scores and measures that can actually support decisions in the local government. Those millions of data points can help city governments understand what their citizens need. When we had big snowstorms in the US this winter, we saw some of our cities actually use our platform to recognize areas where more people are talking about being stuck in the snow and prioritize snow removal. There's so much data being created around every action that we take in life. The real question becomes what we actually do with it. Learn more about the tools you can use to make sense of the world and your business with Azure. Start free at azure.com trial. A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial. Thanks to Microsoft
0: Azure for sponsoring this week's episode of Quality Control and for supporting the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'll tell you the one other thing I was thinking about that genuinely surprised me about the game is that this, you know, uh, let me pick like the easiest end of the spectrum and talk about an uncharted game where like every level is a story. And every level pushes the story to some other place, to some other direction. You can't, I mean, unless you're not paying attention, you can't get lost in the story in a, in a in a game like that. But when there are games like, you know, open world games or games like Destiny games or things like that, where you have you have a campaign, but you also have things that you can do sort of in between all of that other stuff. I think a lot of games struggle, or put differently, I struggle in a lot of games, to remember exactly where I am and what I was doing in the story. Uh, And that is something that I am uh, surprised and kind of happy to say that Spider-Man did not do. In other words, I didn't, like there were a gajillion things that I did and ran off as people were calling me because I really needed to get to Aunt May or something. And I just decided, well, I'm here. I'm going to go do these three or four things uh, in the meantime. And I never felt like the story got lost. I never felt like I even despite like all of the time I took to do other things and not mainline the story. I never felt like I got lost and that I think is kind of remarkable in a in a game that does not sort of lead you by the hand story-wise. How did you feel about that?
1: I mean, I I think you're totally right, because it does a good job of kind of reminding you what's important. One, with those really nice uh, waypoint markers, it was really Mm -hmm. good at at always having pathfinding available in the city, like, especially because you always wanted to swing to to wherever you went next. And just like the, the phone calls were a really good way of kind of setting the tone and setting a really good pace that like Peter's slash Spidey's life is very challenging because he's always in demand no matter where he is and what he's doing. Yeah. And yeah, I think that it was just like you could do the story when you wanted to do the story and you could also just do whatever else and it never felt confusing or like you were missing out on anything.
0: I never thought about that, but I think you're absolutely right that the idea that you can go around and do other things fits thematically into the story because Pete's trying to be a Pete and also trying to be Spider-Man and also trying to be a good mm, friend or a good nephew or helpful. Right. And yeah, it would make sense that you went out and did these other things and didn't rush to whatever you needed to do next.
1: I, I mean, I kind of loved that. It made you feel the game makes you feel bad for Peter Parker, whose life is kind of a wreck Yeah, because he's been so good at being Spider-Man that he's been really bad at being himself.
0: I really loved being Spider-Man. I I don't have a huge comics bad knowledge. Same. I'm a nerd who likes video games and computers and technology and like all of that kind of stuff. And you would just, anybody would reasonably assume that I would be into comics. And it's not that I haven't read comics, but it was just never really my thing. So like there were points at which the game is introducing characters or bad guys or things like that. I'm like, I don't actually know who these people are. It, it didn't quite have the impact that a Spider-Man it would have. I imagine on a Spider-Man fan, but at at the very core of it for me, I just liked being a good guy, not having a ton of moral quandaries, like just being a force of good, in a in a place where there's a lot of evil and and just being a good guy, it, it felt nice. It felt good. I like I like Peter Parker. I like Spider Man. I like playing a guy who's good at heart.
1: Yeah, I actually very similar in my background in comics, where I've read a lot of more indie comics and not so much Spider Man, but I've seen the TV show and movies, and so I was like, oh yeah, I know that character. And then you know, Tombstone shows up, and I'm like, I don't, <laughs> <You>? yeah. <laughs> That who was the that? moment for me. Yes, I think we had similar moments, uh, uh, just like, well, this is clearly a person of note, but I don't know who they are.
0: Right, and it's it's not that it falls flat, because you could tell that it's a person of note, but it just doesn't have the same sort of impact as it would, I think, on uh, more dedicated fans.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 what can I say? I really like Spider-Man. It's hard for me to imagine who I wouldn't tell the to, to play this. Right. Like I would tell my friends who are my age, I'd tell them to buy it to I'd tell them to play it. I tell them to buy it for their kids for Christmas. Like it's just an easy game to recommend, which is, um, I think, high praise.
1: Absolutely. And there's just like even if you're not a Spider-Man fan, there's so many small details that are like just kind of really enjoyable and interesting and show that there was so much depth in the game. So I like seeing that like craftsmanship almost.
0: It's, yeah, it's just really, like I said, the most triple A of triple A games. And it's nice. It's like, I think you wrote this in your review, right? The It's like an MCU movie, a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that you just get to play. It's fun.
1: Yeah. But without needing to know all the things about <laughs> who has which infinity stones. Yep. Yep.
0: Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you wanted to talk about?
1: I would say that what I really, the one small thing that I still tell people to not sleep on is go check out spider Spidey's social media feed, which is hilarious <laughs> and adorable and only found on the map screen and you could easily miss it. It's just like
0: well written. Yeah, it's a great little addition. Like this is what it would be like if you were Spider-Man in 2018. Yeah. Of course it
1: would. Yeah. Of course he would have the NYC wall crawler Twitter handle. Like, <laughs> of course. I love that. And and yeah, it's all really funny, funny, well-written stuff. The writing in this game is so good, even for his like goofy one-liner quips, which I love.
0: And the acting, too. Uh, that That's something I don't think I've mentioned at all in the time that we've been talking. But like the cast is really good. I By the end, I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the voice actor who played Spider-Man, but like he was Spider-Man to me.
1: Yuri, Yuri Lowenthal, who has done mm, a lot of good uh, voice acting, including uh, Yosuke in Persona 4. So, nice. Yeah. Okay, there you go. He's incredible, but he just does such a good job as Peter.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Chelsea.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dave. This was great to talk Spidey.
0: up with your competition is important. Taking the lead with unmatched innovation? That's impressive. Set yourself up to achieve more by running your apps on Microsoft Azure. Clear the way for unparalleled productivity with end-to-end development and management tools. Fearlessly integrate cloud capabilities across your environment with the only consistent hybrid cloud. Build the next generation of smart apps. Discover transformative insights through artificial intelligence and real-time data. And scale across more global regions than you'll get from any other cloud provider. Microsoft believes every business and every organization, small and large, old and new, has something to gain by reaching beyond the limits of an on-premises data center. That's why Azure is the cloud for all. What will you achieve when you come to the cloud? Start experimenting and find out. Get started with a free account and 12 months of intelligent services at azure.com slash trial. That's A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial.
2: Hi, it's uh, Maddie Glacius. I'm Darlind. How's it We're the hosts of The Weeds from Vox.com. We're taking a deep dive into the policy decisions that shape the political landscape that you see from day to day. People always like to say you you don't want to get into the weeds. This is a podcast for people who do like to get into the weeds, who follow politics because they care about healthcare, about economics, about zoning, about inequality, about the actual underlying issues. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get into the weeds because that's where all the policy happens. And that's the things that change people's lives. You can find more information about us at vox.com slash the weeds. Catch new episodes every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show. And be sure to subscribe to the show to never, ever, under any circumstances, miss an episode. Yeah, if you miss even one, we'll be very sad. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.